Anybody? Y'all are not putting your hands up. You're either asleep or lying. I mean, you know, we've all had a bad day, right? I want you to look at some of these people that had a bad day here. I mean, you know you're having a bad day. Look at the slide. Uh, you know, if, uh, you, know, you know, you're probably having a bad day, but you know you're having a bad day if you comb, no matter how many times you comb your hair, look at the next slide, it still looks like that, right? I mean, that guy's having a bad day, right? Now look at this next one. You know you're having a bad day if your own grandmother shows up selling Girl Scout cookies. Okay, that's just bad. And, uh, you know, so uh, you know you're having a bad day. Look at this next one. If uh, there's flash flooding, you can't hardly see it, but there's a shark fixing to bite that dude in the car. You become fish bait. <laughs> you know, so, of course, in South Louisiana, it would be an alligator, right? I mean, you know. Uh, I took the, the nose-picking one out for you. I didn't think you'd want that after eating spaghetti and all that stuff. But, you know, how many of you have ever had a bad day? Maybe not that bad, but we all have, right? And so I want to talk a little bit about how to live through a bad day because, um, you know, uh, you, you may be thinking, well, I'm sitting next to my bad day. Don't admit that if that's you. But, I mean, you know, we're going to... We're going <laughs> to... The worship team is looking at each other back here. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at, <coughs> we just passed Easter, but we're going to look at the seven statements Jesus made on the cross and learn a little bit about how we can, we can uh, you know, live through a bad day. You know I mean? We're going to have bad days. You saw where God was just telling him, you're gonna, in this life, you're going to have trouble. And that's the truth. We're going to have bad days. You know, we, we just... We celebrated Easter, we, we remembered Good Friday, and I've told you that, you know, it was a good Friday for us, right? It was a really bad Friday for Jesus, because he got arrested, he got tried illegally on Thursday night, he got nailed up on a cross and executed uh, and just humiliated, but it was, it was all for us. So we're going to look at the seven statements he made and use that as a framework for how we can go through bad days. And and uh, here's why I want us to do this. Look at Hebrews 12. It's on your outlines. It's also up on the screen. And um, it says this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Folks, let me tell you something. There's never been a day in my lifetime, I don't think, that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus more than right now. There is so much craziness going on. And I grew up in the wild 70s. I mean, you know, it was... It was nothing compared to what's going on now. And so we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Look, who both began and finished this race we're in. And then look, this is in the message translation, which I love it. It says, study how he did it. We need, you know how you do that? You read the Gospels. You look at what Jesus did, how he reacted to people. And, and, and so study how he did it. And here's the thing, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. I see so many Christians today Losing sight of the goal. Our goal is a heavenly home. You know, the, the Bible says we're, we're not citizens in this world. We're citizens of heaven. And we're just, we're just sojourners through this way the King James used to would say it. We're just moving through here. And, and people, so many people have lost sight of where they're going. Let me tell you something. A smooth sailing United States, as much as I want it to be smooth sailing, as much as I want things to be going good, is not the goal. The goal is heaven. The goal is becoming more and more like Jesus. So it says, He never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating, finish in and with God, 
He could put up with anything that came along the way. So because he was focused on where he was going, he could put up, it says, with the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And he's up there praying for us. He's beside God. I mean, you know, um, praying for you and I. And I believe it's important for us to understand that. We've got to stay focused on Jesus. And that's what we're going to do as we look at these um, seven statements. And, and so, you know, we just came through Easter, so we kind of took you through a lot of the things. Jesus had his last supper, you know, and, and uh, he told Judas to go on out and betray me, you know, because he knew Judas was going to. And he said, the one that's dipping with me, remember all that? And, and then Judas goes and sells him out for 30 pieces of silver. He, and then, you know, he comes to the garden where Jesus is praying and, and, uh, and betrays him with a kiss. And, uh, and so they arrest Jesus. They beat him. Isaiah said he was beaten to where he was not recognizable as a man. He wasn't even recognizable he was beaten so bad. And, and these soldiers just beat him unmercifully. And uh, then he goes through uh, three different trials before two different kings and before the high priest. And all of them were illegal because they couldn't have trials at night. These were trials hidden from the public, hidden, hidden away so they could get away with it and and it might be kind of like Louisiana trials, you know, and stuff. I don't know, but, but it, was, it, was, uh, it was definitely never should have been done. And, and then they put him on a cross, and they executed him. And here's the first thing he said when they get him on the cross. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I'd love to say I would say that if I'd have been him. I'd have been thinking, send those angels, God. Send those angels. I want off this thing. I mean, you know, but he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And it says the soldiers gambled for his clothes even. So he goes through this humiliating time, but the first thing he said was, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And, and, and man, that's the first thing we need to do when we're going through a bad day and people are attacking us. So lesson one is we've got to forgive Everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Write that down. Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. I mean, we've all got people that it seems like they just simply want to mess us up. Anybody got somebody like that in your life? It might be your kids. It might be your husband or wife. I don't know. Uh, but we've all got people. It seems like they just they've perfected messing with us. I mean, they took a class on your hot buttons. They know them all. I mean, you know, uh, they know how to get on your last nerve and get under your skin. And, uh, and let me tell you, we've got to work on this, right? I mean, it's not easy to forgive people who are attacking you. Uh, I, I, have, I, I have trouble just forgiving people who say bad things about me on Facebook. I mean, you know, much less somebody really gets it, you know, in your face and, and stuff like that. But Jesus said this, and if it makes you feel any better, I'm, I'm with you on this, working on it. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 10, he said, and many, and then many, that's, that's most of us, okay, will be offended. He said, many will be offended. Listen, we have, he goes on to say they'll betray each other and hate each other, but it seems like today people go around looking for ways to be offended. Think about it. I mean, they're in a fence looking for a place to happen. I mean, they get offended at everything. If you look at them, they get offended. If you don't look at them, they get offended. If you open the door for them, they get offended. If you don't open the door for them, they get offended. 
It, I mean, if you say something they don't agree with, they really get offended. I mean, it, you know, people get offended over everything. And, and I keep wanting to say something like, suck it up, buttercup, you know, or get a life. But Pastor Kathy won't let me tell them that. And, uh, you know, but, but I mean, you know, you, you just think about it. People are just, I mean, people get offended. That's why Major League Baseball teams are changing their names and football teams are changing their names. And they don't want you to do the tomahawk chop. And let me tell you, the Atlanta Braves will never stop doing the tomahawk chop. The more you tell Georgia people not to do something, they're going to do it, uh, you know. But, but um, you know, people are just walking around offended. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 17, 1, he told the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. But he says, woe to the, him who they come through. I don't want to be the one that does the offending, right? But Jesus said it's impossible. So listen, there's no way you and I are going to go through life without offenses coming against us, people coming against us trying to offend it, to offend us. The unfortunate, the unfortunate part of uh, uh, being offended uh, or unforgiveness is it doesn't hurt the other person. It hurts us. So when you let somebody get you, it only hurts you. I mean, if you think about it, unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping another person dies of smoke inhalation. I mean, think about it. Or, or drinking poison and hoping they die. You know, um, there was a guy named Boudreau, you know, Boudreau and Thibodeau one time. Boudreau comes in, and uh, he, he uh, you know, he's, he's at the store, and, and, um, and Boudreau said he has a lump under his shirt. You know, it's like sticking up, you know. And the, and the clerk says, man, what is that? Boudreau said, the dynamite. And he said, why you got dynamite under your shirt, Boudreau? He said, you know how Thibodeau come in and hit me on the chest all the time. He broke my cigar the other day, and, and he's going to hit me on the chest today. I'm going to blow his hand off. I mean, that's what, unforgi- it, that's, that's what unforgiveness does, right? I mean, it's a picture of it, you know? And so I could go on. It's like putting a gun to your head and, ho- and pulling the trigger and hoping the recoil kills the person, you know, uh, on, that you're mad at. I mean, it, you could just, you know, so an offended brother, Proverbs says, an offended brother, somebody that maybe is close to you, is more unyielding than a fortified city. That means it's going to be pretty tough to get them to come around. And, and it says, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. And, and, and here's the thing. When you've got somebody you've turpentined, it's going to be hard to win them back. It's going to be hard to win them back. Uh, you know, right now our country is uh, kind of fascinated with British royalty, right? You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, we were just with a guy that was real strong Irish, and he couldn't even remember... Prince Philip's name, who just died, he said, because his his mama was a fan of the IRA, you know. I mean, and uh, and and stuff. But but we're we're fascinated with it. I mean, you know, everybody. I mean, my daughter read every book and article on Princess Diana, you know. And and right now, people are reading. I mean, it's like, why do they keep putting this stuff in the news? I mean, let Harry and Meghan go do what they're going to do, you know. I mean, and uh, but Prince Philip just died. But in 1649, a guy named Oliver Cromwell overthrew King Charles, and, and they put in a parliamentarian type of government for a little while, and he executed King Charles. Uh, and so, uh, the, and that lasted about 11 years, and then the parliamentarians were overthrown, and, uh, and the mon- monarchy was reinstated. And guess who they made king? King Charles II, the son of King Charles I. And so King Charles II was not a real forgiving guy. 
He said, look, there are 59 people that signed a death warrant for my dad. Find them. And so they went out looking for these 59 people. And they came back and said, your highness, 15 of them are dead. He said, dig them up. We're going to try them anyway. And they put the dead bodies in a courtroom, and they tried them, and they took them out and killed them again. That's what bitterness does to you. I mean, it will make you do stupid stuff. And if you don't deal with it, it'll become a bitter root like that was, and it'll cause you to do stuff that one day you're going to think, why in the world did I do that? Some of y'all are, are with me, right? Some of y'all riding with me here? All right. So your emotions, you want to retaliate. So forgiveness is a decision we've got to make because you're never going to feel like just forgiving somebody. I mean, you know, I can remember getting cussed out in Spanish and English by this lady one time. And the kids all say, why didn't you say something? You didn't want to say anything? Of course I did. But I made a decision not to. And, uh, and so your, your emotions, you may want to retaliate. But forgiveness takes an act of your mind, of your will. It's a decision you've got to make. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, look, if anybody ever had a right to be bitter, it was Jesus. We just celebrated Easter and Good Friday. I mean, I want you to look at five bad things that happened to Jesus. You think you're having it tough. Write these down. Number one is betrayal. Betrayal. I mean, he was betrayed by one of his closest friends, Judas. Judas was the treasurer of the group. Now, he was probably stealing money all the way along. I don't know. But, you know, he was right there with Jesus, dipping, dipping bread in the bowl and all that. Any one of the disciples. I mean, Judas is the one who betrayed him, but the rest of them kind of disappeared. I mean, John was right there. Peter followed at a distance. And then teenage girl, about a 13-year-old girl, said, you were with him. No, no, I wasn't with him. You know, I mean, he denied Jesus three times. So he was, he was betrayed. Anybody in here? You ever been tr- betrayed by somebody? Sure. Then, then look, the second one is false accusations. He had all these fake charges trumped up on They paid people to come and tell stuff and make stuff up about him. And none of it even stuck. What they ended up crucifying him over was he finally admitted that he was the son of God. But he had all these false accusations coming up. Anybody in here been falsely accused? And all the husbands said, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, uh, so. <laughs> Except for me, Pastor Kathy never accuses me. Doesn't ever accuse me of losing her keys. Doesn't ever do nothing like that. <laughs> Rejection. Anybody been rejected? Jesus was rejected. I mean, none of his friends went to his trial and defended him. Peter's out there denying to a little girl that he even knew him, but he said, I'll die with you. Peter wasn't even in there speaking up for him. None of them did. I mean, you know, some of you feel rejected as well. I mean, you know, if you do something somebody doesn't like on social media, social media can be brutal, you know, because it's a coward's way to say stuff. You know, you know, if you said some of the stuff face-to-face to somebody that you'll put on social media, you'd be coming in with black eyes and a bloody nose. But see, I can put stuff on social media. Let me just tell you something. They can track that down. So you just need to understand. You might think you're slick, but the right warrant, search warrant, they can find it. And uh, so anyway, he went through all this rejection. And, uh, and so, you know... All this. What another one? Abuse. Man, the cross was abusive. They beat him. They beat him with a whip as a cat of nine tails. It had chips of metal and bone in it. 
And when they would hit him, it would just rip the flesh off of him. And uh, even in the, in the movie, the Passion movie, with Jim Caviezel, he was wearing a bodysuit when they are hitting him. They missed one time, broke a rib, even through the bodysuit. One of the, so one, if you ever watched the movie, one of those uh, was real, okay? You know, so uh, they kept that in the movie. But, um, but, you know, he went through all the abuse. Isaiah said he wasn't recognizable as a human being. I mean, humiliation. You know, we always see the crucifixion with Jesus up there with like a little diaper on. He didn't have a diaper on. He's naked in front of his mama. I mean, you know, he's up there. I mean... They wanted, the Romans wanted to make a statement when they executed somebody. They were saying, this is what's going to happen to you if you disobey us. And, and so Jesus, they humiliated him. I mean, here's the thing. He went through all of this, uh, not just to pay the price of our sins, but to give us an example. Look what it says in Hebrews 12. It said, that is why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Let me explain what that says in Hebrews 12. Uh, it says he, he had to enter into every detail of human life. And, uh, and so it, 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 uh, he, he knows what it's like to hit his thumb with a hammer. He was a carpenter. He, his words probably sounded a little different than some of ours. He, he knows what it's like to lose a father because you don't see his father, earthly father mentioned past when he was 12 years old. Uh, he probably knows what it's like to be raised by a single mom because of that. And have younger brothers and sisters that he had to help raise. Because he had some younger brothers and sisters. And, uh, and so he had, to, he had to help raise them. I mean, he, it says he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all by himself. He had already experienced what we're going through. The Bible says he knows everything you and I go through, yet he was sinless. He said all the pain, all the testing. And he would be able to help where it was needed. That's how he can help us. He knows what we've been through. When you saw uh, God on the thing, don't talk to me about pain. I know about pain. He knows about pain. See, he went through every detail of our life, and he understands everything we go through every single day because of it. Because of it. And and like I said, we want to retaliate, but forgiveness is an act that we've got to do. Look at 1 Peter 4.1. When it says, since Christ suffered while he was in his body, here's what I want you to focus on. Strengthen yourselves with the same way of thinking that Christ had. We've got to think like Jesus did. Keep our eyes focused on the goal and, and uh, be willing to endure. The person who has suffered in the body is finished with sin. See, the reason most of us can't forgive is we don't, we don't really know what forgiveness is and isn't. And Jesus showed us. I mean, Jesus showed us what it is, but... Uh, these are some things that, that I put put in here that aren't on the screen. So I want to tell you a few things that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. In other words, somebody comes up and says, you know, I'm so sorry that I did this to you. And you go, oh, that's all right. No, it's not all right. Some of y'all been thinking about something like that since you were a teenager and holding it against somebody. But when they apologize, it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. If it's something that, that somebody has done to hurt you, let them own that. If it's something you've done to hurt somebody, then you need to own that. And, 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 but forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Uh, forgiveness is also not reconciliation. It doesn't mean that you've got to let somebody back in your life. Somebody's been a, an abuser in your life or abused your children or something. You don't have to let that person back in your life. You're just not holding them 
accountable or holding them for punishment. It's not reconciliation. See, reconciliation is a two-player game. I, I, it, it takes both of us to reconcile a relationship. Forgiveness is I can forgive you and, and walk on, and it's not holding me prisoner anymore. But reconciliation takes both of us to work on it. And so forgiveness doesn't depend on that other person. And, uh, and, and, and the lack of forgiveness will hold you captive. But when you can forgive somebody, you won't be held captive anymore. Forgiveness is also not about doing what's fair. We're so caught up with, it's not fair. You're not letting another person off. God's going to take care of them. Okay? And, and, and so, you know, it, 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 you, you don't want, let me tell you something, you don't want fair. Fair means we all get crushed by God. Because we're all sinners, and our sin deserves death, is what the Bible says. So it wasn't fair that Jesus took our place on the cross. We should have been on that cross. I mean, you know, and so I don't want fair. I hear people talk about, Lord, we want, we want uh, you know, fairness. We want, we want justice. I don't want justice either. I want mercy. I want grace, you know. And so it's not about doing what's fair. There, there's nothing fair about Jesus dying for something I did. There's not. And, uh, and so I like, like what C.S. Lewis said here. He said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. You know what? I've never, I've never, I've never had to forgive anybody more than what God's already forgiven me for. <laughs> See, forgiveness isn't giving the person what they deserve. It's giving them what they need. They don't deserve your forgiveness. We didn't deserve God's forgiveness, but we sure needed God's forgiveness, didn't we? And so, finally, forgiveness is not impossible to do. Because what does the Bible say in Philippians 4.13? Philippians 4.13 said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Say this, I can forgive. Y'all didn't say it. Say it with me. I can forgive whomever. Through Christ who gives me strength. I'm not going to make you say their name out loud. But you can do that. You can forgive them. So where does our strength come from? You see, it comes from God. It comes from God. It comes from forgetting uh, that the other, about that other person and the situation and putting your trust and faith in Jesus. And the closer you grow to the Lord, the more ability and capacity you'll have to forgive, to do whatever it is God is leading you to do. I remember a friend of mine in high school. I mean, we were in a small group together. We're doing small groups this week. They start uh, Monday night. We'll have small groups right here at church. We encourage you to go. But we're in a small group. Small group changed my life. Andy's an uh, uh, African-American guy. He's got muscles that have muscles, okay? I mean, he's sitting there, and we're confessing sin in this circle, things we need God to change. He looks at me, and his nostrils flared, and I hate white people. And I'm thinking, I do too. I don't like him. No. See, he had watched eight white guys gang rape his sister in Chicago before he moved to our town. But you know when he gave that to the Lord? He didn't hate white people anymore. He married one. <laughs> He's a psychologist in New York. Loves Jesus. Great guy. But you see, we've got to, we can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. So instead of getting on Facebook, so instead of getting on Twitter when somebody offends us and hurts us, instead of getting on Facebook or any kind of social media and trashing them 
Here's what we need to do. This is your action plan, all right? Because some of y'all need to get off of Facebook. I mean, I'm not interested in, you know, the first time your kid made potty by themselves, you know? I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't need to know that on Facebook, all right? You know, I mean, so some of y'all just need to not do that, you know? And uh, so here's what we do. Instead of trashing people on Facebook, and it's easy to do, number one, pray for them. Write that down. You pray for them. You pray for them. Pray for that person who's hurt you. Let me tell you, if you believe in prayer, you need to be praying for them. And I'm not talking about the kind of prayers David played, prayed where God, David would pray, God, get them. Cut their hearts out. Stick their head on a pole. Lord, get them. Annihilate them, Lord. I mean, David prayed. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. You know, and uh, so pray for them. Matthew 5, 43 and 44, Jesus said this. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You got to pray for them. Pray for them. And, and, uh, and so you actively say, Lord, I forgive them. And I pray, God, that you will change them and, and save them. Some of y'all going, I don't know if I want them to go to heaven or not. <laughs> if they go to heaven, they're going to be all right, okay? I mean, you know. So it's impossible you know, I mean, it's impossible to hate somebody you're praying for. Let me just say that. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're mad at somebody and you start praying for God to work in their life, it, it, you stop getting mad at them. So pray for them, number one. Second thing is bless them. Now, bless them means to speak well of. And, and so uh, in Luke 6, it says this, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. So when somebody curses you, so when somebody says bad things about you, you say good things about them. Don't get on their level and say, well, your mama. And they go, well, your mama, she smells bad too. And they go, your aunt smells bad too. I mean, I mean, don't do that. You say something good about them. You bless them. You speak well. I mean, bless those who curse you. Romans 12, 14, uh, Paul said, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I, I'm reminded of a story of Billy Graham. Billy Graham, I'm a fan of his. I mean, and um, he started Youth for Christ as an organization I became a Christian through. But Billy Graham, had he was doing a crusade. I forget the city. But there was a pastor close by that was trashing Billy Graham. I mean, he was just preaching against him. He was doing media stuff saying, I don't like these crusades. Who's this guy think he is coming into our town? And Billy Graham invited him to lunch. And, and so he went to lunch. And, uh, and Billy had him at lunch, and Billy was just talking with him. And, uh, and Billy asked him, would you say the prayer? Would you open in prayer at the, at the crusade? And the guy broke down crying. And, and, he, and he said, I have, I have said bad things about you. And here Billy was blessing him. And this, this guy, not only did he pray the opening prayer, he said, Anytime you're within four or five hours ride of our church, our church is on board with you and we will help you. And uh, because he blessed him instead of cursing him. And so we need to do that. So we speak well of them. So we pray for them. We bless them. Number three, we do good to them. Do something for them that's unexpected. I mean, Romans 12, it says, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. So we don't repay evil for evil. We do the right thing. Do we feel like doing the right thing? Absolutely not. That woman cussing me out in Spanish and English, 
I didn't want to do the right thing, but the right thing made me some money because it involved selling insurance. And, and, and so, but I fixed her problem. I mean, I didn't want to. I wanted to, like, say some stuff, but I didn't want to dishonor God. I didn't want to lose my job, you know, and, and a few other things. And, and she kept a gun under her cash register anyway, so I, I didn't, like, want to be dead, you know. And, uh, and so we need to not repay evil with evil, but do good. Do what's right. And he said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. So say, if it's possible, as far as it depends on me. Say that. As far as it depends on me, I'll live at peace with everyone. See, he says, he said, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we need to do whatever we can do to live at peace with people. He said, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, I'll repay, says the Lord. Here's the thing. Anybody that's, that's, that you, is your enemy, you pray for them to be saved because if they don't accept Jesus, the payment for what they're going to do is eternity in hell. I don't want to see anybody go there. I can't think of anything, anybody that's done anything to me in my life that I want them to spend eternity in hell. And, uh, and he says, so don't take revenge. And then and in verse 20, look at this with me on your notes. On the contrary, you need to circle that. He said, to do all this, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Man. And then he says, in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Now, there's a lot of ideas about what that might be, but we're to actively look for ways to take care of our enemy's needs. I mean, God, God says, instead of seeking revenge, look for, for that need, that weakness that he has, and help meet that need. He said, you'll put burning coals on his head. It probably here is talking about, because there was a, was a habit in Egypt where they would carry hot coals on, on a thing on their head. Some people interpret it and say, well, it's heaping burning coals uh, on them. It's going to be like going up their guilt. They're going to feel ashamed because of the way they treated you. And they probably will when you return goodness for evil. But it, it, it kind of implies, hey, I'm doing this so I can see them come to faith in Christ. I want, I want to do this so I can see them come to faith in Christ. And that's what, it, that's what it means. In verse 21, he says, don't overcome, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. good. Overcome evil with good. Somebody I read said, the best thing you can do with an enemy is to make him a friend. You know, the you, best thing you can do with an enemy is to make him a friend. I was just thinking when I wrote that down, I was thinking in seventh grade, I remember this guy, Bobby Knight. He was a bully. And, and I beat him up, made him eat dirt. And, but we were best friends the next week. <laughs> I said, man, I'm sorry I made you eat dirt. It's the only fight I've ever been in my life. <laughs> But as best we can, we need to be friends. We'll overcome evil with good. So we make an enemy a friend. So we need to not make enemies is what we need to do. Don't give in to your desire for revenge. We're to hate evil, but overcome it with good. Hate the evil. And listen, our, 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 our battle is not against other people. It's against the devil that's manipulating. It's against the spirits of this world that are manipulating and so we want to overcome evil with good. You know, we were watching a thing with Joyce Myers uh, last week. Well, and some this week. She's got a bunch of good stuff. So uh, I love listening to Joyce Myers. And, 
And she went into more detail about her testimony. I mean, she was raped by her father over 200 times. And, uh, you know, just uh, horrible. This man should have died in prison. And, uh, I mean, just wicked. And, and, uh, and God told her later in life to take her elderly parents and pay for all their needs. She built them a house next to her house. And she took care of them, even, and then paid for them a nursing home. She said, they didn't die young. She said, they just kept on hanging around. And, uh, but before he died, her father came and apologized to her and asked her forgiveness. And, and he accepted Jesus, this man that had raped her over 200 times over years. He accepted Jesus. She said, you know, I didn't, I didn't buy a house. I bought a salvation. He said, God, you know, I didn't just forgive them of their sin. I, 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 I've got a, a dad that I'll see in heaven now who's changed. And when he got baptized, he was walking across the stage. Praise Jesus. I'm forgiven. I mean, he was excited about it. And let me tell you something. If she, you know, I was reading that, I'm thinking, I'd have shot him, you know. And uh, don't think bad of me. Y'all were thinking the same thing. And, uh, and so, but, you know, she forgave him. So how can we do that? How could she do that? the power of God. It's the power of God. How, how can we forgive somebody that doesn't deserve it like that? Here's, here's one reason. Because we've been forgiven. Because we've been forgiven. You know, uh, you, we can forgive because we've been forgiven. Like I said, nobody has done to me worse than what God's already had to forgive me for. In Matthew 10, 8, he says this. And I'm about done, so stop looking at your watches. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. But here is what he said, freely you've received, freely give. I've received forgiveness from God over and over and over again. What do I need to do? I need to give forgiveness over and over and over again. We've got to forgive people. You know how I know it works? I've experienced it. Some of y'all in this room, you've experienced it. And uh, I want you to write this. I know y'all all looking, saying, I got one more blank. <laughs> Some of y'all new people around here, these people get militant about their blanks. The forgiven forgive. This is a principle. Hurting people hurt people. But let me tell you something, a more powerful principle. The forgiven forgive. We can forgive others because the power of God in our lives and that has forgiven us. So the best thing I can do to you tonight, and I want to leave you with this, is I want to bring you to a place of giving forgiveness to people on a daily basis. I want you to bow your heads. Bow your heads. You may be here tonight, I don't know, and, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You can't do any of this without a relationship with a living God. See, that cross is empty because Jesus got off of it. He's alive. And, and so I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. You don't have to go write a dissertation on the Ten Commandments or keep all ten of them. We've all broken them by Jesus' standards. All you've got to do is receive Jesus. Matter of fact, the Scripture says, He who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want to give you a chance to call upon the name of the Lord tonight. And if you're here tonight or you're listening on Facebook and, and you've not received Jesus, I just want to, I want to pray a prayer real quick. Simple prayer. There's no magic in these words, but it goes like this. Dear God, 
I admit to you that I'm a sinner. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Come into my life and be my Savior. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, just came in and forgave you of your sins. Now here's, here's another thing. I know some of us, we felt betrayed. We've had people betray us, accuse us, reject us, abuse us humiliate us we've got to choose to forgive so with every head bowed and eyes closed anybody besides me you have trouble with that just raise your hand you have trouble forgiving people that mess with you some of y'all lying everybody's hand on them Lord you see these hands that are up 